0: Welcome to the A to Z Podcast, Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott, on most of your favorite social media platforms, at A to Z Podcast.com, at Facebook.com slash A to Z Podcast. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Girl, to American Fireworks, always open at AmericanFireworks.com. Cleveland Sports fans, just like you guys, good folks, have supported us for a long time. You guys have supported us for a long time, and we appreciate it. We always say that, we always lead with that. Um, if you're one of the new folks here, first, welcome. Second, we get excited, we say four-letter words, and we venture into immature subjects. So if any of that's not for you, or if you're in a work environment, put on earbuds or come back to A to Z at another time. Dre, good morning, good afternoon. What, what is it? I mean, I'm, I'm in this like weird Man. post-season hangover phase. Um, yeah, I know. You know, I've, I've worked this week. I've showered this week. I've done you know kept up on the times but it's just so weird and you know one of the things I want to talk about is you and I were talking about this last week obviously the Browns not making it the playoffs in 18 years and having the kind of physically and mentally exhausting season they had with the COVID stuff is different anyway you know baseball seasons normal ones are long and you've been fortunate enough to be around when the Indians are long like it's not just us on the outside like these teams that make real runs they have a real combination of maturity, yeah. luck, focus, mental energy, because the shit's draining, man. It really is. It is. And the
1: thing is, it is. And the thing that, that Browns fans found out or were remind, are reminded of on this week, and it's what you're going through right now, um, and, and Terry Francona was great at talking about this, and I've had players tell me about this too in, in all leagues, um, is that, you're go- like the, the euphoria of making the playoffs and being in the playoffs, whether it's Zach Jackson or whether it's Kevin Stefanski, they're, they're, it's like a drug. And you're, you're going 125, 125 miles an hour safely, you're but you're, you're going 125, 125 miles an hour, you're buckled in, and, and then, then you, you just, just crash crashed. into a wall right. when, you, when it's over. And Terry Francona's gone as far to tell me, which is crazy, and I, I think he'll be okay with me saying this. Um, he said, even after winning World Series, and I had some Cavs players, and I won't say their names, they were bench players. They said the same thing that as great as it was to win a championship and it is great um you have that you know for you know for a couple days after you win you're, you're riding high and then and like terry has said it and then suddenly you get in your car one day or you're sitting in your living room one day and you're just like fuck it's over you know you know like for better or worse and it, it, it is a hangover it is um a crazy because i think it's an emotional thing because and i and i started this before we even started the podcast I kind of said to you, like, all right, what do you, you know? What's on the work, you know, schedule now? Like, you bust my balls now. You're like, I can't wait till you go back to work. And I can't. And you say that? And I, do- <laughs> I know. And well I get it. You're like one of five people that say that. You're right up there with Jen. Like you're up there with the people I annoy the most. It's like it goes my wife, you, Dennis, Rob, my mom. Like the people that I text the best with the most are all like, when is he gonna go back to work? <laughs> like because I'm full of energy and ideas, as you just heard for the first fifteen minutes of you and I talking. I got all these ideas, all these great things I want to do. And we both know, give me two, three months. And I was like, uh, F you, I don't got time. I want to go take a nap. It is something different when it's done. Like, you're not worried about writing your, you know, your, you know, on Friday about the matchup. You're not worried. And nobody wants to hear that because most people that are listening to this podcast right now are like, shit, I would love to hear Zach break down the Bills and the Browns. Let me ask you that quickly because um, we got some ideas of what we we're going to talk about in this one. But, um, for you have you like cuz i think there is a story in the athletic kind of talking about mahomes uh versus our guy from buffalo and how this is you know a little bit like we had last week obviously with mayfield with baker but have you paid attention to anything that's been said about this Kansas City Buffalo
0: Bills game coming up on sunday um not really i mean i've been monitoring mahomes progress and you know everybody believes he'll be cleared to play i think it's the foot that will be more the issue I do too. You know doing anything around, else, Jake, right. but it's funny, Dre, because um, one of the things I had to do for my real job was submit a list of ideas. Like, you know, what are we going to write about? Obviously, it's not every day anymore, right? Or all the time leading up to a game, and that is the good part about covering football is you do have a structure uh, ahead of these games. But you know, one of the things I submitted if the Bills win is. You know, they, until Tyrod Taylor got them there a few years ago, they had the longest playoff drought in the NFL, right? Right. And now they've they've changed it around. And Brian Dable, who was frankly a joke when he was in Cleveland 11 years ago, you know, he's not going to get a head coaching job this cycle for whatever reason. I think there's only one left, but, like, they brought in a new GM. They brought in a new coach. They failed. The cities are similar, right? So, like, taking a deep dive into what they did to become – Super Bowl team if they become that you know I don't know that anybody's going to beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead Um, I won't be stunned and I I just think the Bills are playing really well I think Diggs has changed everything for them and obviously Allen's coming along but yeah that's that's one of the things I submitted Uh, on the KC side I'm not going to talk about what I submitted because I don't want someone else to steal the idea quite frankly Um, it's it's kind of fascinating though because just like last week like If it's a full arrowhead, that impacts the game. Does it impact the game one point, seven points at one point in the game? I don't know, but it does. Um, Do I feel like Josh Allen being being able to chuck it 75 yards down the field and and Mahomes maybe not being 100% and the Chiefs not being able to run the ball at all matter? Yeah, like I look for a competitive, really fun, like glued to your couch kind of game but also like to sit here and think that I could pick against Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and Tyron Matthew for that, for that matter.
1: No, oh, yeah. I, I, I yeah. I'm
0: not sure I could.
1: Um, I think Buffalo, you know, what, the, the crazy. And I, I hear you and we're not going to put a bunch of time into this. I'll say this. I paid more attention to Buffalo over the last month. And yes, gigs gets a lot of talk. Ossie Allen gets a lot of talk. Um, they have a nameless defense that's really good. That's way better than any of us. Get. And I'm not attacking you. Um, they've got a solid defensive scheme and plan, and it works. Um, I'm not – if Mahomes ain't right, it's going to be a close game. And we don't talk about this stuff all the time because it's easier to talk about the quarterbacks and all that offense Kansas City has. Um, Kansas City is vulnerable, especially without that crowd. I'm not saying Buffalo's going there to win. Uh, but their defense is way better than what I thought it was a month ago. And I can't even pinpoint why it is, but it is. Well uh, you I'll know, say they, this. You know, they've got they, they got yeah. a, they got a really good corner. They got a safety to play well together. They play and you know, they and they've got the big kid um that's got all the brothers, the middle linebacker who's really they've they've got some players.
0: Edmonds. He's got all the brothers. Mm-hmm. He does. He does have a he lot does. of brothers and they're all athletic Two models. of
1: them play for, <laughs> uh, and they all play for the one play for the Steelers. One of them got cut last week. And Dwayne Haskins. Trip no, Haskins is now Pittsburgh's feeler. Yeah.
0: If Mahomes isn't right, I think the Bills win the game. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I, you, you need him just in the things he does. And because as much as that offense clicks and is able to masterfully miss, you know, mix the misdirection with the vertical threat, with the throwing underneath threat to make you lay off the vertical threat, like it's because of what he does. You have to take the ball away from him. Right, you you have to score on them, um, but but if he's not right with his foot, or if he would get hit again and have to leave the game, then, then I will definitely take the Bills. Um, I
1: bet they don't run the option. I bet they don't run the option. I bet they don't.
0: <laughs> no. And, and listen, the, these coaches will tell you if that's one less thing you got to prepare for, then they've won that little battle, right? Yep. Um, you're right. Yeah, man. That's. Hey,
1: let me say. Let me say. Let me say something else back to you. And I don't. I don't like going back on podcasts. I stand even harder on putting on fourth down and now that i went back and saw some things. Hey, man, I don't think Stefanski was trying to bleed the clock in that last drive. And we don't got to go back and forth about this. The block, Hey, there are some blockers, and I think Wyatt Teller would tell you this. J.C. Treader would tell you this. If some guys get their blocks on the plays that were called by Kevin Stefanski, it would have not looked like they were trying to drain the clock. The Chris Jones made two hell of a plays on that last drive. And I hate doing this, but, like, we talked on Monday. And we talked right after the game, and I hadn't really gone back and looked. You go back and look at some of the, the play calls and how they, how they didn't get blocked or schemed up well like they usually did for the Browns this season. I am more on Kevin Stavansky's side than I was when we talked to month because guys just didn't execute the plays that were called. Whether they slipped, there was a, one play where Antonio where, um, uh, was coming around the left side. He just didn't get to the linebacker They didn't get to. If he gets to that linebacker, it's a 15, 20 yard run. Um, and I know that you know that's that's the game though, right? I'm not complaining. I'm just saying when we went back and forth on punting on fourth down, I totally get it now. And seeing certain things just weren't executed, they needed to be
0: executed. No, um, I'm just gonna say fundamentally, like I think that's what podcasts and specifically this one are for. Like you might as well go back and say it. It's conversational. We're talking ball, right? Right. Um, Great <laughs> right, for sure. Yeah. But like –
1: funny though because. As it happens, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, man, if Jay Trigger gets his block, we're sitting here and we're talking about,
0: you know, you know what I mean? You know how it is. We're like, and, and, and that's the game, and that's the beauty of the game. Well, that's what we said, though. Like, that's the thing. The better team won, but the Browns le- definitely left opportunities out there. And as you go through the various circumstances, from the fumble to the helmet to helmet hit, to the Chiefs' missed field goals, to Mahomes leaving the game, to all the way that played out, where the Browns had that chance and didn't convert like the Browns. There were multiple times where they did not execute. Right. And that's, that's, what's frustrating. Um, It it is because, you know, one play changes. It's never one play, but one play changes a lot. And if Higgins scores, that changes the shape, right? If they convert one of those third downs early and aren't in third and 11 and throwing a two yard pass. You know, all of those things are tied together. Um, They most certainly are. And, yeah, I I mean, Andrew Barry was on the radio this morning with Raj and Ken. And they started with just, you know, how do you digest it? And he said he hasn't been able to watch the film yet. I mean, this is the guy that runs the show. (laughs) So, like, these things linger, guys. (laughs) You know? (laughs) They do. They do. And, honestly, that is part of... Why I think Kevin Stefanski is the right guy. Like, of course he's a human. And of course he has emotions. And of course he's great in moments and imperfect in others and whatever. But, like, he has both displayed and talked about at times the importance of staying low-key. Of staying in the moment. Like, there's so many decisions in a game. Like, whether he nailed the last one or royally fucked it up. He's got to hit the next one for his team, yeah, <laughs> right. Yep, 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 yep. And yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of how it goes. Um, Yeah, there, there's a lot of disappointment that lingers. Uh The Browns will start to start to turn the page. You know, uh, the coaches will get a week or so off to digest. Andrew is not going to the Senior Bowl, which he didn't go last year. That's fine. It looks like they drafted really well. I'm only a little bit surprised this year because it seems like it could be the only time you're really going to get face to face with guys. Um, there will be a pro day circuit, but it, it's going to be highly regulated. So, you know, we'll see. Um, crazy. I'm trying to you think of the way to sure. trying to think of the best way to say this. Uh, of course, the disappointment <laughs> lingers because you're there. Uh, but what it comes down to is that very patient, very removed. Very objective evaluation of where you really are and how you get there, right? right. I don't think one time, one slip from Joel Batonio kept the Browns from raising the trophy.
1: No, right? oh, for sure. no,
0: no. Not Everyone at all. knows that. Not at
1: all.
0: Just like right. um, well, just, but on the flip side know. of that, when you look at how well the offense played from December on, and you think about they didn't have an off season. This is going to be the first time Baker doesn't have a new system. Nick Chubb doesn't have a new system. I think people um, downplay that too. Like running backs need to know where to read their keys and how they're getting their handoffs and stuff like that, right? Um, For sure. For sure. Like organically, this offense should grow, and unfortunately well, yeah, in the NFL, no
1: doubt.
0: yeah, unfortunately in the NFL personnel. You can't count. I mean, obviously the elites are the elites, but man, everybody's freakish in this league, and there's so much injury. There's so you know careers are so short, and guys get guys get fat and hungry for their money, and guys get their money and they don't want it, and guys are less motivated, and you know all of these things, right? Um, But like if you build the right systems and, and have the right guys in charge, and really know what you want on your team, and frankly, last year Andrew Barry didn't get hired till two weeks after what we're talking to you right now. You know, he had been around the Browns, but he didn't know a ton of those guys. There's only seven guys on this year's team that were that were on the 0-16 team. Like, right. if you're really going to preach smart, tough, and accountable, and those are really going to be at the top of every evaluation, then you have to go through a season to know who really is those things. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it's all positive, and I think the disappointment lingering and the nitpicking that you do, those are positives too, because that means you've you, you have some real expectations, and it's been forever since we've had that. Yeah, these are all these are all the good things that go along with this,
1: and I think that's where. And I said this in the pod on Monday, and I'll say it again. Um, I just find it ridiculous. I can barely listen to the radio this week because people are already trying to get rid of. You know, I, like one, at one point, and, and you know who you are. Do you do you keep Odell or do you, or do you keep um do you keep Landry like? This ain't the time for, I guess, maybe it is the time for this. Maybe it is. I find it to be ridiculous, personally. Um, I find it to be ridiculous because I think just like you learn how to lose, you got to learn. I think just, here, I want to say this the right way. I think this town with football, unfortunately, has learned how to lose and how to deal with losing. And our usual in dealing with losing and dealing with this month that is already hard is we've got to take all, the, we got to take all the, the furniture out and rearrange the furniture because the furniture didn't work in the setup that they had last year. Well, lo and behold, the furniture kind of did work this year. And the only way you get better is by saying two of those furniture pieces, okay, that fits there, that fits there. This didn't fit that well this way. And I thought, and I'm pretty sure Andrew Barry said this, but he basically said, Zach, and you were listening, I kind of read through it and I heard bits and pieces, but... The offense didn't take off until after the bye week. They were able to rely on the running game. They were able to win ugly and weather. They didn't really find the identity of the offense until about, what, week eight, week nine? By that time, Odell was already gone. Um, And and I just – I think – look, when you talk about Browns needs – Rizzo asked me this other night on TV, and I instantly went defense. And then I texted him afterwards, and I'm kind of like, you know, for all that we're saying, they better get a – they better – you know, like, regardless of what you do with 13 – Regardless, they they're have to In my opinion, they got to draft a wide receiver. Regardless, no offense to yeah, No yeah, uh, to Peoples Jones. Higgins is like a free agent. Quarters. Higgins is a and he'll probably if Higgins came back last year, I can't see why he wouldn't come back this year. Well, because I mean, now I'm he's gonna guy. have an
0: actual market. That's why I, I, I can't see why he wouldn't come back here either. But I mean, he came back for nothing you. because nobody else wanted him, Jack. He was well, a free agent like, for two I months. Right Well, you know, if you
1: listen to, if you listen to Cleveland radio, he was about the
0: hottest commodity ever. You're the only
1: one that was against <laughs> a year ago um, I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm not uh, you're wrong.
0: listen we'll, we'll do this later, but that's the fascinating thing. You're right. They took off without OBJ. However, they took off without OBJ. Like Baker was not the same player. The offense was not the same thing. And like, when you look at Baker's numbers and really dig into them? which we've talked about here and I've written about. Like remember how in the first month of the season, he didn't throw any passes in the fourth quarter of games because he didn't have to. They didn't play right. in the first first game because they lost by a million, and then the next three they blew people out and they ran the ball because they got the best two running backs in the league. <laughs> right? Like right. like they just didn't get in situations where they had to, and then even after the bye week when they felt really good about okay, we've we've massaged the playbook, okay, we have more command here. The first two games were played in freaking tornadoes. So they didn't even really get there, you know? Um, right. Yeah. And then, like, the Eagles game, which was bad weather but not near as bad as the previous two. There was goofy things. Both teams turned a ball over in the red zone. And it was kind of yeah. a wild shootout game disguised as a game that was low scoring and bad weather. And it's like, you know, then then they took off. But the Steelers game in week six when they got killed and and – I mean, you guys know because you listen, and, and there's commenters who bring up things we say on A to Z all the time. Like, And I wrote the column. Like, after the Pittsburgh game, I was like, okay, the Browns are getting better, but they don't have a quarterback. I mean, he was a totally different guy from on there, and he earned everything. That that Cincinnati game the next week is when OBJ got hurt, and that's when his numbers you know, started to take off. I mean, before that, guys, like, when you're at – it's 6.1 yards per attempt in the NFL, you're not going to be in the NFL. He finished at, like, 7-3. No. So, that's how Sorry. much it took off, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me, yeah. So.
1: Let me run you into I, – and I like that, but let me run you into something because then I want to go kind of do the the high school superlatives per se, for the Cleveland Browns season. We'll give our ideas on our uh, favorite player, favorite game, favorite MVP, all that bullshit. Because I want to talk to Cavs with you. But I've become a huge – I've always been a fan of this person, but I've become a fan of um, Pusnanski's writing for The Athletic. Great writer. He's, he was in Kansas City forever. He's from Cleveland originally. If you have The Athletic already, check him out. But I'm stealing this from him. He followed me. He started following me on Twitter a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago, whatever. Um, this, when I read this last night, I almost texted you at midnight because I was just like in tears, laughing and crying. The Brown top five tacklers. Now, this is your job. So I won't put this on you. But I'm going to read Joe's diary from this week off the Athletic. And then we're going to get a cry out of this and move forward. Because this is the best thing that I've heard that to tell you how great this season was, but how unbelievable it was. This is Joe. To give you an idea of the last part, I want to show you the Browns, five leading tacklers in
0: 2020.
1: Zach, could you do the top five tacklers of the Browns?
0: No, because very- those are unofficial stats. It's not something I'd ever look at, but, like, could I guess it? Uh,
1: see, why are you got to be such a nerd? They're not official stats. They're not They're, not, they're not a one-day only. I, I get it. It's not like we're sitting here giving them contracts. But go ahead. Go and Give me your guess on these non-official stats.
0: Uh, BJ Goodson.
1: <laughs> ding,
0: ding, ding. Uh, Andrew Sandejo. He was actually number three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Taylor's oldest time. When your safeties are your leading tacklers, you either got Sean Taylor or your team sucks. <laughs> right? Your defense. Your defense, not your team. <laughs> but this,
1: right. But this makes the point. This makes the point. I am so glad we're doing it. And we did not rehearse this. We did not rehearse this. I'm doing this without telling them. Because last night um, I was like, Oh my god.
0: Is Taki on there? Did he play enough snaps to be on there? Taki, 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 Taki came in fifth.
1: So here, I'll give you the. You did good enough. You got three out of five. D.J. Goodson, um, a free agent signed because the Browns simply didn't have any linebackers. This is his third team in three years. Number two, Malcolm Smith, the 2013 Super Bowl MVP, is now 31 years old. The Browns signed him a one-year deal, making Cleveland his sixth NFL team since he won that award. Number three, defensive back Andrews Aho. The Browns signed the 33-year-old undrafted free agent off waivers. Cleveland is his fifth and probably last team. The last team part I put in there. Uh, Fourth safety, Carl Joseph. See, that's that's, that's, I would have not gotten him because
0: a lot of the year he didn't start.
1: I know he wasn't in a lot of. But you know, but you know what? You and I we talk. Real defenses aren't. Real defenses in the NFL aren't four three three fours anymore, right? And Joe Woods wants to play. He wants to play a three safety. When they're right, they'll play three safeties at once. That's part of the reason why they drafted Grant uh, Delpit. Um, but it says with Joseph, another player Brown signed to a one-year deal before the start of the year. He was a utility defensive back. Um, then Taki Taki, third year. You know That was your top five tacklers. I mentioned that because everybody that loves the Browns, and I, and I, I thought B.J. Goodson had a good season. I don't think he was Mike Singletary, but he had a good season. And, I mean, if I would have told you that list on August 31st, Zach and Andre probably would have told you the Browns went four and
0: twelve. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, and the one thing about people, my prior observation that's wrong is that I guess in today's NFL, your te- your line your safeties do make a lot more tackles because the ball just does, just goes down the field more than it more it's than in it
1: used to, and it's in the air, right? And, I mean, and I, and I also bring this, but I also bring this up because I hear a lot of people you know, like having the Joe Woods fight, and to me, when you're having the Joe Woods fight, you don't understand what you're looking at. I mean, I just told you the five top tacklers on the Browns defense, and none of those guys are going to be on the cover of a Madden. Most of those guys don't even get their names set on Madden; They're just the number 53. Um, like, what they put together defensively was it a great defense, not in any shape, way, or form. Um, but you got to give some credit that they had a coach that got the best out of them. Obviously, the best that they got out of them was getting turnovers and turning them into points. I give a lot of credit, and I, and I just wanted to do it this way, 'Cause I've got a couple of people that tweet at me constantly about Jokic. I have a feeling well, maybe not because black coaches don't get hired in NFL. So that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> that's some bullshit, Zach and that's another podcast. Do you see the clowns that got that got there's no offense to the guys that got kicked as head coaches today? There's none at all. And Dan Campbell, I, I kinda get a stuck out of you. Chris Billman obviously mean, has a lot obviously has a lot a pull in Detroit. And Detroit needs a football guy after what they went through. Um but I got to tell you guys, as a black male in 2021, um, that we got this bullshit Rooney Rule, and they keep making up more bullshit rules to try to get black head coaches. And we're getting like pizza delivery guys as head coaches in certain cities. Like, who's the guy in Philadelphia? And, I, and like, and just because I don't know who they are, does not mean they can't be a great coach. I'm not that type of asshole. Um, I don't know every I don't know every situation,
0: and I don't know how
1: every how every team is run. Um, as a matter of fact, I will give the Haslam's credit. They've been very open. Um, they've they've hired bad black GMs and good black GMs.
0: Bad <laughs> black that's black. So, so true. I, I, but,
1: I, but that's but that's all I'm asking for, Zach. That's all. That's all people that look like me are asking for. Give us the same chances everybody else is getting. Like why well, can't? Well, okay, Hugh Jackson's a bad coach. Thank you for letting us see. Uh, well, who was the black dude that was texting down to the sideline for the quarterback? He ain't deserve a job. Get his black ass out of here. No, he was so the he was the worst him.
0: GM in, in, in probably in NFL history.
1: Yes, but see, I can admit that. But at least the Hazembs were like, you know what? Even though he was calling Sashi Obama, which is racist as shit, that's a whole other that's a whole other story. But at least they got out without and got Andrew Barry, and Andrew Barry fits. Like why? Like I just I, as I look around the league and look at all these other jobs, look here's the one thing we know. And I did not even mean to talk about this, but it happened. The NFL stands for not for long. Let some brothers have some not for long jobs. If, if they bad, they gotta go. We know how it works. But if they're good, I mean, at some point in time, and I'll say this to the races that don't want to hear this: when you have this many men that look a certain way that are on the field, and look, everybody, we all play hard for people that we play hard for people that we trust. The one Baker comment that I love when it comes up about Stefanski, and he says this all the time, and, it, and to me, it's the most it's the most chilling thing that we said about Freddie Kitchens. is bakers always goes out of his way to say, you can, you know, guys can tell a fake right away. Right. Yep. And whether he's a white fake, whether he's a black fake, we know fakes. Um, and I don't I want to say this the right way because I have not worked for a lot of black, um, bosses per se. Cause they're, <laughs> um, but I would like, la- I would love for some of these owners and guys that are making decisions. To have an understanding of what it would mean to some of these guys to play for guys that look like them. Now, I'm not saying you just hire somebody because they're black. That's bullshit. Um, and I get that you we usually hire if we're in charge of hiring, we usually hire people that we are comfortable with, that we know well, um, that we speak the same language as. And when you do that, half the time, you know what ends up happening? You end up losing your fucking job too. So Another's going. To, I don't know. I don't. I'm to the point now where I don't think things going to change. But this is embarrassing, man. It's embarrassing. Well, <laughs> I mean, their their enemy thing is
0: so outrageous, given where he's been, and given the, that the path has always been to be a coordinator on a winning team, right? Like, I don't know him. I I don't know anybody that knows him well. Dre, the only explanation is that there's something that's not out there. Right. And, oh, and, and I you hate to even that. bring that up and, and begin to speculate, right. but like when you Nick Sirianni, who didn't even call the play as an indie, is getting right. a job. When Brandon right. Staley, right, and I love you, Perry Pirates, is getting a job. Like there's got to be something there that's saying to owners, we, we can't hire this guy. That, that's the only explanation I have. I don't know what it is. That's the only I do, explanation. I, I have. I, because
1: I don't have the explanation, I don't have the answer, I don't even want to guess. Did he have some issues in your life? Um, did he have a DUI? Yes. Did he have an incident in a college parking lot? Yes. And I'm pretty sure I go to Dan Cam- – and no offense to Dan Campbell because I like him, but I'm pretty sure I go to Dan Campbell's uh, pre- previous life. I'm pretty damn sure I can find some dirt. There's dirt on everybody if you look, if you look far enough and you run, if you want that to matter. I get what you're saying. But that to me in twenty twenty one, that's a bullshit answer too. Because there's no clean candidates per se anymore, anything in life. Um, and if somebody is good enough for a job and proven over time, and I would like to think that Eric look put it this way. Do you think if the Detroit and I'm just using the lions, do you think if the Lions brought Eric Bieniemy in as a head coach, that people in Detroit would be in an uproar and something that happened in his life twenty five years ago, if they if the Ford family gets up in front and simply says, This is the best candidate that we filled for the Detroit Lions to move forward? Do you really think that the backlash would be that bad right now? No, zero. Zero. I don't. Man. There'd be don't zero. Either. Right. I don't either. So I think it's just, an ex- I'm not saying for you, but it's, it's a very, um, it's an easy excuse to use to move on. And we don't got to go on and on about this because to me, you as a white man, me as a black man, I think we get, and when, we, and when we sit down and we're being sensible, we all see something's not, something's not working right. And it's not for you or I to figure out how, it's not pieced together. And working and I'm for, I'm for the best candidate to get a job at anything and everything. Um, I just want to
0: anything, yeah, um, it to care yeah yeah no I, I'll just say this because you know we've had this conversation to an extent before, but like everybody keeps expecting the is going to get get a job right and not be the only one um, really? this, the intent of the Rooney rule guys I mean yes the the ultimate goal is to make sure minorities get hired. But the, the, the intent is to give opportunities to interview to people that wouldn't get it. Right. So they, A, get the experience and B, they get on the radar because there is so much turnover. So when coach Joe Smith gets that interview, right. And one of the guys in the room is the director of pro personnel for the lions, right. Or the salary cap guy, um, you know, for the Texans. And two years later, that man is a GM. He says, you know who knocked our socks off but just wasn't ready two years right. ago? This guy, right? Yeah, and, like, Dan Campbell's been on the interview circuit for six years. For he sure. didn't You're He right. didn't get as much face time with the Browns as, as Josh McDaniels and Adam Gase did. But, like, he's he's been there, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's jarring to hear Brandon Staley. And, again, I don't know Brandon. I know his background. And you know – I sure shit support uh Northeast Ohioans and public school northeast Ohioans sure. more than anything. To hear that he got a job, like that, something's just not missing because the intent of the rule to get B enemy on the circuit Dre has been there. Right? Uh, that right. that part that part has worked. Soleil didn't get a job well, last year. You know, he he did. Uh Dables new to it, he didn't. The Eagles interviewed Josh McDaniels. They're the only team. Then they hired Nick Sirianni, and no one else interviewed him. Um, right. It's it's and it, it's and it's just odd.
1: And it's just not Eric's enemy. And I'll take it a step further, because we can't and – I'll, and I'll move on from this. We can't already happened. Okay, Eric, you, you don't give – but the only how this is going to change, some of these teams are going to have to start being willing to let some of these black guys be more of the running back coaches. You know, like, it's okay to let them call – like – because I see these other offensive coordinators that don't call plays, but they get jobs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's and it's, it's part of it, and it's an easy way to overlook it. Man. And I don't want to speak like Josh Cribbs and I have had long talks about this over the last couple of years. Like, and I don't want to put Josh's mouth, um, but we 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 talk, and he's had opportunities to go coach, and he's a TV star in Cleveland currently. We could have talks about he that is. as well. But it is i I'm, and I've talked to more than just Josh. So I don't want to make this a Josh thing, but I've talked to many former players, black guys that want to coach that want to do it. But they also have too much pride right now to jump into something where they feel like they're going to get treated like shit when they may be the smartest guy in the room or where they may have a better connection with certain players and guys, but because ownership won't step that far or the, the general manager's afraid to talk to him or the general manager doesn't like him because he played and, and the general manager didn't play. And like so, it's a weird disconnect that we have going on right now, and I don't know how to fix it. But I think it's bullshit. I'll tell you that much.
0: Well, the the NFL knows that it's an awful look. Um, so I, I don't know what it is. I, I frankly I don't know if that leads to somebody leaking something on the enemy, right? Or right? The hey, that's Texans what hiring them because they think it can keep he, keep help them keep Deshaun Watson. I don't know. It's awful. And that's um,
1: and that's the job I wouldn't take
0: if I was up. I wouldn't well, want right. nothing to do. Because that place is Which toxic you, as hell.
1: <laughs> sure. Right. I mean, it's I'll like say it, this it, for Dan Campbell.
0: Like, that team is so boring and so bad and expectations are so low that a guy comes in and talks about the stuff that he talked about and is all rah-rah and blue collar and we embrace the city. Like, that's what they need right now.
1: <laughs> you know? Eh, I so- Yes, I say that, and then I also saw Frankie Kitchen today. Well, when I saw
0: that. no, you're right. You know what I mean? No, I mean and we dance, dance, but dance, dance. More qualified. Listen, I'll just tell you this. I'm the wrong person to talk to about this for one reason. I've been through so many of these coaching searches and so many of these intro <laughs> press conferences that I tune them all out. Right? Me too. Same, same, same. You're right. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I totally,
1: I totally agree with you with that. Yeah. It's hard for me to judge anybody because. All right. So as we I've shift gears so here, right,
0: um, yes. as we shift gears here, if you're a new listener, um, you'll know that. We occasionally talk Cleveland Indians here. We occasionally talk Cleveland Browns or Ohio State or life. But the main thing we talk about is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we've been telling you guys for a long time that <laughs> Colin Sexton is a really good player. And he is the kind of guy that's going to engineer a turnaround like this. <laughs> this yo, this yo, league bro. has never seen I can't even finish my sentence.
1: Come on, dog! You gotta Come on, Come on, dog. Hey man, number one, don't be tweeting to be about me and NBA basketball in the month of January, because everybody knows your don't watch. But they got you to watch last night. Couple things. Um, The Nets. This is what I. This is what I love about sports, because it's like life. Everything about how the Nets have been put together, I hate. But I've watched every quarter that they played since they put that team together. (laughs) Like it's intriguing. They're gonna give up 140 a night, and they're gonna score 140 a night. but let's go to Colin Sexton's side of this. I don't know what he is overall. I, he's talented as shit, number one. Um, he's not the same type of talent as Kyrie, and that may be okay <laughs> for multiple reasons. I think last night, and I'm not saying he's a star, but he's better than what most of us have thought. And I've had a couple people that know college basketball pretty well and SEC basketball. And I had a guy text me last night and he said, I told you he has some Russ Westbrook to him when it comes to scoring and taking over, he goes better shooter, you know, plays hard. He goes, but he's got that. And what the point was, he goes, he's got that same dog in him. When you put other great players on the court, he wants to say that he's one of the best. That was an unbelievable performance last night. I'm not expecting it to happen again on Friday night. Um, I kind of like what the Cavs are doing for their situation, Zach. I do. You put a bunch of trees in the middle because look, you're gonna play those two little guards up front. You better have somebody to stop them at back, and they're gonna put the dude with the afro. I like I like Allen. What he's about. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it, how can you know that kid's 22 years old? Right, right, Yeah. right. And he doesn't beg for the ball. You know what I mean? Like he's a skill pick and roll to death, which is awesome. Well, um, you know, Larry Nance, Larry Nance is a great glue guy. Do they still need a wing? And maybe the kid from Auburn is there. Is this this the LeBron Cavs? No. But you know what it kind of can remind me of? The type of Cavs teams we watched when we were growing up at the Coliseum.
0: Well, I I don't really watch, and I'm open about that, right? So (laughs) I do watch a lot of college basketball, and I know. But, you know, frankly, like Darius Garland played four college basketball games. So I don't know shit about him except remember when I turned on the TV and said, oh, my God, I can't believe he's that small. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. You know, I've followed enough to know that Seti um, has played well and, you know, he's a guy that can be on a team that can win. I'll just say this. I know that the Cavs have done two things that matter. One is having Larry Nance and he's tied to the last generation, right? But committing to him and letting him be knowing that he is a good person and a local kid. And, nope. you know, Will, in an era where everyone's on social media and he's on there doing good things and speaking honestly right. and not being an idiot, right. like committing right. to him was right. Because, listen, even if he's just OK and I think he's a little better than OK, there's a lot worse contracts in the NBA than his. Right. No, but no. I think more than no. anything, and I'm leaving Sexton out of these two things, um, I credit their front office for going and getting guys for nothing. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen with Andre Drummond, but they got him for nothing. So why not, right? Because you have to embrace what your spot is in this in this stuff. You know, you have to grasp and say, here's who we are and here's where we need to go. And you don't cover seven steps in one year, right? You don't draft one good player or have one good week and make up for lost time or start closing the gap in the NBA on these franchises have these guys. Why did I watch the game last night? Because it's the first time the other three played together. I don't give a shit about the Cavs. <laughs> right? Um, just being honest. But, like, they did that, they got Jared Allen, for, Jared Allen for nothing. He's 22 years old. He has freakishly long arms. He has a lot of athletic ability. He has a tiny bit of offensive talent, from what I've seen, and he's got plenty of time to harness it. He can change games with block shots and rebounds. Right? And I think he had... Four blocks and 12 rebounds last night? Like, in a game that right. they need to fight for? And look, as for Sexton, um, yeah, the Cavs really believed in the work they did on his background. Straight-A student, overachiever, loves the game. What does that really matter when you go up against LeBron and those guys? I don't know. But in terms of where they were and where they thought they might be, which leads us to where they are now, they loved him. He's fearless. He's fearless. He's worked on his game. Nobody can take that away from him. I would tell each and every one of you to bet the Nets on Friday night when they play again. Um, but, like, Dre, to, for, to do this, right, to make this rebuild work, to take these pieces you got from, and eventually make them fit, you're going to need an overachiever somewhere in the process, right? You Like, I guess I was going to say nobody lands on – all these stars, but the Lakers did, <laughs> right? Nah, the Nets did. They live in a fantasy world. Yeah,
1: That's they, no, they, 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 lot live lot live
0: lot they, they live in different houses. They live in different planets. If Colin Sexton becomes a guy that occasionally does that and always busts his ass and gets on the opponent's scouting report as the guy that we have to shut down, then a year or two years from now, maybe you're onto something. Because this league you got to be unique. And I see some fatal flaws in the Nets, like who's going to oh, guard and who's oh. going to rebound. But, like, Dude, as you go forward, like it counts still, still, like, 21, 22 years old, right? Right, right. Um, well, here, like, if that guy is going to launch threes like that and get to the bucket and bring that energy, then eventually you can have something that a lot of other teams don't.
1: I would say this to you because I know you don't watch that. Look at his numbers even before last night. And here's the key thing. You're under six three in the NBA. You almost it's a roller dice to be able to stay healthy for eighty two games. And that's the problem him and Garland are going through. Because Garland's played much better. But they both have there's been growth since they've both been drafted. And I don't mean in like body wise, but they know how to play. And you look at the numbers, Zach, they are the numbers are pretty damn good. They're better than what you think, is what I would say to you. Um and look, I, I'm glad the Cavs are doing what they're doing. I like Pickers staff. I like what Kobe's doing. It, it, look, right now, if you can get to the point that you can fight for for an eight or seven seed or that however they have the play-in, that's a that's a huge step in this crazy-ass year. Let me go to the Nets because they will be a top three team in the East, most likely. There's no doubt. But I don't. They built a they built a video game team, Zach. They didn't build sure like, did they have DeAndre DeAndre Jordan is a 15 minute player at most they have no size they have no rebounding they have no defense and then I'll say this to you and the problem is when you go down to the other end of the court if Harden if, like last night they did it one time Kyrie was at the top of the key and they came up with a double screen or double pick and roll where he could pick on one side he had Harden on his left so he could screen roll left with Harden and on the right was Durant so he could screen roll with Durant how do you stop that? <laughs> like, like, I, like, I literally hit pause on the TV because I, like, went to take a picture. And I was like, defensively, what are you doing? And Joe Harris was standing down in a wing. Like, even Brody Jackson could get three points out of that set. <laughs>
0: like, it was, no, they're like, impressive. Was um, they're impressive in that regard. But how are they going to guard LeBron? How are they going to guard Giannis? Right? No, like, they're not. They're not. They are not. In a, what I know about the NBA playoffs is after game two, there's very little in terms of X's and O's, right? Because you've seen it. Yeah. You've done it. Like, it comes down to physical toughness, to rebounding, and to just guarding certain guys in certain situations. And yeah, uh, but they're they fun. Play, they're they fun as hell. Oh, yeah.
1: They're a video game. They are a video game. Um, and I and, and I guess you know I always I, I used to never care about this, but from the NBA standpoint, like right now I've got the Lakers and Bucks on, and you know the Bucks, you know they're they the Bucks, and the Lakers are the Lakers, right? It was more intriguing last, and man, I know I'm podcasting, I'm talking to you, and drinking a strong beer, um, <laughs> but I've fun to watch, and I think that's what the NBA kind of has with it right now. Um, I don't know what sells the game overall because the Knicks are more of an AAU team to me than a, a team well-built, put together. Oh, to sure. sure. I mean, but, they had to give know, up Jared Allen there.
0: to to have a chance to get hard And like... Right. Even 10 years from now, they'll probably say that's the right move, but... I mean, DeAndre Jordan's sure. time was 2014, was it not? Right. Yeah so uh, Their backup big... Oh, and we? I know this because I was driving, listening to the game on the radio <laughs> early. Their backup big is Reggie Perry, who was like a pretty good college player of Mississippi state. Like he's not going to yeah, go he, in the NBA yeah. right now at 22 years old and give you anything other than, you know, not against anybody good. Right. No. What they, um, yeah. What they need. So, yeah. They need to
1: happen
0: is they need... Well, I'll say this, like they're, they're fascinating. The Cavs are not fascinating because they're still multiple years away, but how they choose to proceed with Drummond, whose contract is up. Right. With JaVale who who gives you minutes and allows you to win games when I'm not sure that's the goal.
1: Um no, JaVale, JaVale's gonna be in Brooklyn. Well I was just what I was about to watch. Yeah, but but what so do they, they have to give you? They don't have
0: anything left to give you.
1: They got no draft picks. I'm just saying, because look, the Cavs are trying to trade Drummond. Um and they played on trade before the deadline. Yeah. And you still have the and this is the other thing I was gonna bring up and I still want to go back to the prowls. And you still have the issue with, with my favorite Calf coming into the season, he is no longer the Kevin Porter situation. The, Brown- they, the Cavs are in a bad situation because everybody knows they want to get rid of this talented kid, who's a who's a knuckle- I don't even want to call him a knucklehead. Like, I'm, like he has he has some issues, I, and I hate getting. Older Does he, he exemplify an A to
0: Z theorem, Dre?
1: Yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Good Google, Joe. You gonna help me get through this? Because I was just about to say six, seven years ago and ten years ago when you and I were sitting in a bar talking, there was other words I would call Kevin Porter. As a 42-year-old man, a couple months away from 43, and having a better understanding of some of the mental issues that people go through, they, you know, whether it's just because they, they have some mental issues, or they've been through some shit that the average person could never deal with, I will say I have more of a, uh, I'm more patient in just labeling, but at the same time, Kevin Porter, the label is put upon you no one can change that label but you. And Zach can give the theorem because the theorem is what it is. Um, and it plays off of a whole oh, too short thing, and I'm not calling him this. Too short, it always wrapped when I was a young kid and wasn't supposed to be listening to it. Can't turn a hoe into a housewife. Now it's a little bit different <laughs> because the theorem we've always had and Zach says it so well, so Zach, this is a good time to go ahead and tell everybody what it is.
0: If a guy's a shithead, giving him $17 million won't make him any less of a shithead, yes.
1: And so far... Cavs did everything the Cavs look. And let's be That's clear, we're game. not
0: calling him any names. We know he's had a rough background. I mean, no. it was a it was a right. wild card pick, right? But yes. like it's still disappointing and again, I don't know anything. I'm way on the outside of the Cavs. But because he had success as a rookie, so you would have thought that would have said, "Hey, man, like lock in like it's all there for you, that that big contract and your chance to really do it, which you've never done, which is the problem with our basketball culture. We crown these kids yeah. before they've done shit. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Thank you. And Kevin Porter got crowned in Seattle. Seattle is a hotbed for high school basketball. I know most people don't know that, but they have a real cool underground basketball thing going on in Seattle. The NBA should be back in Seattle by the way um kevin porter's has been through some shit i mean if you read about what, it, what his father went through and who's no longer here and he's been through some shit but like zach said the problem that we have in our society is that we crown these kids way before they should be crowned and then their sense of, of normalcy has been totally thrown out of whack and zach you hit on it look the Cavs spent five million dollars on draft day to move to the 30th pick to get them so yeah they, you know like you're know, like they spent money just a month ago, Zach, they guaranteed his contract for 1.6. I think this year. So you can tell me, like, they've almost spent 10 million dollars to make Kevin Porter work in Cleveland, and it's not going to
0: work. Yeah, see, I but didn't know that. Um, know? That's disappointing. Yeah, but,
1: yeah. but you hit on something. They got, they found a system for him last year to work. And I, and I, you know, this is, it's a tale of our real world as well. Um, the COVID situation didn't help Kevin Porter because it took away. The walls that the Cavs built
0: to help him mature. No, yeah, Trump, absolutely, uh, right. Just like and, you know, just like NFL teams got to go back to playing two road games next year, right? Right, right,
1: right, right. There's the <laughs> installation. The, the, the Browns put something. That, the Browns, excuse me. The Cavs put together a really good plan to help, help Kevin Porter, but Kevin Porter couldn't help himself. When all the protocols and everything else came in and the Cavs couldn't control, I don't want to say control, but when, you know what, when you're dealing with a 19, 20 year old with the issues Kevin Porter's had, it is control. They had him in a good place. It is. But He got a little bit of money. He got it. He got We got away from the, the from the, the team concept because they didn't have games. And look, the Cavs went a long time without playing a game. And, you know, and we've had this discussions about, you know, college kids playing and not playing and what COVID did. And it did piss me off when I'd hear the assholes say, well, them being on a college campus is better than where they come from. I, I find that to be a racist bullshit thing to say. Is that the case in some situations? Sure. Um, but it's not the case in every situation in this Kevin Porter situation, um, having a schedule and having a place to be every day and being checked on every day was probably something he really, really needed. And now he's in a bad place and it, and it sucks. It just sucks because the story, you know, the story isn't just here that story is happening in high schools junior colleges um division three you know that that's that's a story right like yeah i know i know some i don't want to get into i know some high school kids have kind of gone through the same thing not as bad obviously but it sucks because as we watched that game last night on our on our text message thread what did one person say it looked like the Cavs really could use to really be really good
0: yeah, not, that looks like shout player. out to I think it was Ben who said we need the Cavs minute on A to Z we, we appreciate you guys we really do um, Dre this is right. just this is just a thought this is not based in anything um, you know I will watch a little bit tonight because it's Lakers-Bucks right so I know that's a good game that's a right. high level game uh, I, I right. just when you cover the NFL and you're into other things like you have to pick in, in that regular season NBA when the Cavs are not good especially makes it easy Right? To to not yeah. pick them. However, I do They're think, hard watch. <laughs> I do think as it comes to the trade deadline, which I believe this year is in early March. Um, I think when it comes to Drummond and Kevin Love, because they are what the Nets don't have, I think it increases yep. the chances that the Cavs can move those guys and get anything in return and don't expect high value on either, right? Right. But I think because the Nets don't have bigs, don't have a post game, don't have that, I think it increases the chances that some Eastern Conference team that fancies itself as a contender is willing to give the Cavs a two, a young player, something like that in return. Kevin
1: Love is the highest-priced coach in the NBA right now. Shit. <laughs> that whole situation is a whole other thing. Um, all right, let's do a Brown superlative minute. Here on the A to Z podcast, now that Brown season's over, I've got the cards. I'm going to be your Chuck Woolery. I'm going to ask some questions <laughs> about Zach Jackson and the Cleveland Browns of 2020. Uh, who's your MVP of the Cleveland Browns? I would give you an A, B, C, D, but I don't think that's fair. My A would be the offensive line. My B would be Baker Mayfield. My C would probably be the backfield combination of Nick Chubb uh, as well as Kareem Hunt. Uh, but you take it wherever you want to go. In your mind, being around watching what you watched and, see and saw, Who's the MVP of the
0: 2020 uh, Browns? Man, for, for most valuable player, you can't pick the O-line. I think that's the best group. Uh, I think there are three viable options. I think the quarterback, Baker Mayfield. I think Miles Garrett. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. I really think he's the most valuable player. He didn't have a great game in Kansas City, and they lost. But I think that strengthens right. his case. I think the four games that Nick Chubb missed made him the $45 million he's about to get. Wyatt teller
1: says preach,
0: you know? I, <laughs> yes, I, he I, is. I, you know. Wyatt teller loves yeah. that thought. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say uh, I'm glad you took Nick Chubb because you know, I, and anybody listening to this podcast, Nick Chubb is my. I'm. I'm I, I won't fight you. Nick Chubb is my favorite player on the Browns. He is. Him and Jarvis are my two favorite guys. And Miles, obviously, Miles does deserve a lot of credit. Hell, let's be honest. Before Miles got COVID, he was neck and neck for Defensive Player of the Year. And when I go back over what we did earlier, we went through the leading tacklers on the Browns' defense. God, I mean, you, you. Remember we talked about the offense coming together and how they were no good in the first six, seven games. They won their first four games because of Miles Garrett. He made a play at every game. So Miles is definitely in the running. God, I hope COVID he overcomes what he just never looked the same when he came back from that. That shit's scary. I don't care what side of the you sold him short. It was six games. The Browns
0: were six and three, and Miles had made a play My in bad. all six. A game – cha- not, right. not a play. A game-changing right. play.
1: Yes. But to go back, I agree with you. Nick Chubb is your your MVP because he's your identity of your offense. Um, he's made every guy's job on that offense easier because when he is in the game and, – and, and, and I got to say, Kareem is giving the same thing. But when Chubb is on the field, there is a fear that not many running backs give – and he gives a toughness to this offense, I would say it'd be him and Wyatt Teller offensively because Wyatt Teller is the same thing. Um, he brought something to this offense that we just had not seen. Um, but I can go with that. I can totally go with
0: that. Hey, what, what, one quick um, thought. In total fairness, right. the fact that Baker played his way into that discussion with the way he played over the last four, five, six games uh, is True a that. credit to him because – True that. Yes. Go ahead.
1: You're right. You're right. No, no, no. You're right. Baker earned his way into that because Baker would not have been there a month ago. He definitely has earned his way into that, but he's not. He's not the winner this year, in my opinion. Um, your favorite game, your favorite Browns game of 2020. I got, I mean, I don't have my answer yet, but I'm close. So I'm curious. Well, I, can tell I think you the obvious answer. answer is
0: the playoff win in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think.
1: Tennessee game to me. Was, yeah, go ahead.
0: To the listeners, you know, of the regular season, um, Tennessee was probably the the most fun Dallas is in the discussion right um, yes. yeah the Baltimore game the Baltimore game was the best played game by both teams the, the Monday night game not the first game obviously no doubt
1: yeah yeah no, but no, like no, my no,
0: game the Browns game of the year uh, Pittsburgh wins but for regular season it's Tennessee
1: okay um, I, I I wanted to say the – couple The Cowboys game, because Odell basically won it on your own, but you saw so many – I thought that game was just very telling for both franchises is what I'll say, for where they were at at that point in time. And I know both those franchises really well. Um, The – you know, right, that Monday night Baltimore game, even though it was a loss, I don't know why, Zach. I think I'll remember that game. That game was – because that game had a little bit of everything in it. But I got to tell you, the Philadelphia run by Chubb may be the play of the year that I won't forget. For for that season, what, like if I said, what's one play that you'll remember? Chubb cutting back and fucking stiff arming that big defensive end. Um, <laughs> that just that was awesome to me, and I won't forget that. Is it there was, a play that stands out to you in the season?
0: It was pretty good. Um, well, there there are the spectacular and like when I knew Baker was back, is the rollout against Tennessee where three guys run inside. And he waits, and he throws. Lets people's Jones get more open, and he throws it. Just like, yeah. just his body language told me that he was back to feeling it, and back to feeling great about about things. But honestly, the biggest play of the year, and you won't hear this anywhere else—not to toot our own horn—in the two minute drill in Cincinnati when Odell got Ooh. hurt.
1: Yeah, I know where you're going.
0: They throw the out pass with no timeouts and 43 seconds or 37 seconds left to Rashard Higgins. And the guy doesn't touch him, and Rashard has the headiness to roll out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that play is down in Zach. bounds, the Browns don't win that game, the Browns don't go 11-5, and none of this happens. MVP move right there by
1: Zach Jackson. That's why he is really good at what he does. He's an asshole,
0: and he's mean on, on Twitter.
1: And he thinks he's right because he articulates all his tweets just right with penmanship. But that right there is why I actually listen to the A to G podcast. Cause you're right. That's, that's a great call. Um, my, my second would be if it comes to Baker's best player of the year, um, I've talked about this, um, and I've gotten fl- flack for it and I'll talk about it one more time and why I can ride on the Baker train. Now the throw he made in the playoff game off of the same defense, same play call that, that got his ass in trouble. To me, that's the biggest stuff I saw from Baker. Um, using his arm strength as a plus and not a minus, Right. And I think that's that hard thing. It's just like pitchers that can throw 95 miles an hour. That's great. But if you don't throw it in the right place, you know, it's, it's going right. to go the other way. And he found that out the hard way the first time against Mika. Um, but he used what was between his ears the second time against Mika and threw the biggest, the, he threw the biggest Browns. That's the biggest Browns playoff throw in 25 years, 30 years, where he hits Jarvis for that 40 yard touchdown. Um To me, if I'm Kevin Stefanski, if I'm Andrew Barry, um, that's the type of play that's, you know, the Indians always did something really cool when they had things rolling. Um, And why you see the success with the pitchers now, I believe, is I love talking to Zach Flesak. I love talking to Shane Bieber, um, Aaron Savali, you know, Tristan McKenzie. And they talk about, when we talk about 2016 Indians, we talk about them should have won the World
0: Series. When I
1: talk about those four names, I just said they talk about being around Corey Kluber, Josh Tomlin during that, you know, during that playoff series and watching how they worked and watching how they worked in between games and watching how they worked in between innings and watching how they took, you know, um, how they took the scouting reports. And then they went out in playoff games and used it. Um, Shane Beavers told me that that information that they saw during that playoff run behind the scenes was invaluable and in their maturity and learning what being a big league pitcher was about. Well, that, that's when you I have a true that.
0: program, right? right. Um, that's right. when you're in. And, and we weren't around the Browns this year. So, like, it sucked from that standpoint, right? I'll tell you right. this. Um, you know, in training camp, the first two guys on and the last two guys to leave were Adrian Claiborne and Porter Gustin. And Porter Gustin didn't make a play wow. the entire regular season. He had a pickoff in, in the Pittsburgh game. yes yeah. He's a guy who's gotten, you know, undrafted. Was a street free agent when the Browns signed with their practice squad. I don't know if either of those guys is going to be back. And frankly, if they have a great off season, neither of them probably will. I mean, Claiborne is Super Bowl champ, respected vet. Claiborne's
1: a pros pro. He's a pros pro. But sure, but know, but I'll, you but, know, you I don't know a, a if he
0: wants to play or b if he'd be welcome back if they really upgraded that position. Right. Um, right. Right. You you would think he would be right but you don't you don't know he's he is under contract for one more year i'm, I'm pretty confident of that without having it in front of me but anyway like those are the little things you see and those are the things that stick out like if you're really going to get somewhere who makes the sacrifices who does the work and i and I mean, we talk about pro sports and we're talking about it here but this applies to the lower levels too who are the best players on your team or who do you really roll with and we sit behind microphones and argue about it, and people sit and tweet about it, if you ask the players, they know. You're not fooling them, right? Like, there are some players who are just assholes and me first guys, and they bash with coaches because they want to. But, like, they know, and you're not fooling them. So, most of the time, when a coach is beefing with a player, it's because a player knows something's wrong. Like, right? Yep. Like, yep, most right. of the time when a coach makes an adjustment at the bye week or halftime or at the trade deadline or whatever, it's because he's seeing what the players see and he knows they're not being fooled by that. It's time to play this guy. It's time to not play this guy. Sometimes you get better by removing guys, right? So, yep. you know, you're trying to build the best team. It is Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's. But when you really have something special, when you really build, build a program, like the guys know who they want around and who makes them, who makes them better and who will fight when it counts. And Jarvis Landry, as you mentioned, is that guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to see. I want to see this off. I, I just the last thing I'll say about this. And I'm glad we did it this way. Um, I want to see this offense with. I, I, I want to see that offensive line intact, and I want to see Odell and Jarvis healthy with a third. And then I want that third receiving job to be a fight like hell between Peoples Jones. Between all the others, but I just think if they got if they can get thirteen back and they get a real speed guy where you really can't put two safeties in a box, that offense will be because of what they've already set. I just don't know how you would stop them. I really don't, and I really think. And I know, look. I will say this, and I don't mean any harm by saying this, because I got to ask the question: biggest disappointment? My biggest disappointment was the tight end position. I just thought that this offense, Harrison. I don't blame the rookie, but, and I, and I'm doing something. I don't like that. Fans do, but I'm a fan here. When you sign, and I know it's not his fault, but when you sign the contract that was signed by the tight end. And I know he was injured. I know it was a new offense. There's a lot of real reasons, not excuses, but Zach, he just never. I I know he's a good blocker, but when you get that type of money, I'm not. I'm not giving that type of money to a, to a second left tackle. I'm giving that type of money to a game breaker down the middle of the field, and he's not that. He wasn't that in 2020, is what I'll yeah. say.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen. The decisions you make once you're good, they're are a lot more complicated than they are before they end. So we'll see.
1: Yes. 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 Who's the youngest
0: player? Who's the young player that that you
1: expect to see more from?
0: And I'll and we'll leave it at that. Um. Well. Like, I know the metrics don't like Wills and that surprises me because they seem to mesh with everything else the Browns do. I, I think he's got all the ability. You know, as a first round pick, he doesn't count. You mentioned Delpit earlier and how he can do things or at least theoretically that nobody else can do, mm-hmm. and so they had high hopes for him, and that's disappointing. Oh, uh, I think I think Jacob Phillips. He's the, he's the biggest fastest I'll linebacker out they out got. <laughs> Yeah, he's the biggest, fastest linebacker they got. And it was always going to be kind of a redshirt year. He's 21. He's skinny. You know, and then his injuries kind of derailed him. They did play him uh, later in the year more. Some by necessity with when the COVID stuff, but some because they just wanted to see it. He has abilities that other guys don't have. So, you know, some guys don't put it all together. And I'm not saying it's all there like he's going to be a superstar, but there's a lot there to work with. So that that's the guy. Um that I want to see like once they really get comfortable with what they want to do and how you can employ guys situationally or different. He kind of reminds me of Jamie Collins uh, a little bit, honestly, Ooh. in that Ooh. you could do a lot with him, right? He's different than the other guys. You better get him good at something and you better get him comfortable. And once he gets comfortable, then you'll see him start to step out of the box. But he's, this is the NFL. So he's got to be good at what you ask him first. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's funny. I was, I was, I was going to go with Jacob Phillips, too. There was a small glimpse of him, but I just love that
0: He truly is,
1: when you hear sideline-to-sideline side type player, um, he fits that description. And, you know, and that's a, you know, and this, in the league the way it is now um, and the way people spread you out and the way people make you basically cover, you know, every inch of the field, you need the Grant Delphits and the Jacob Phillips. I understand after watching the season why they drafted after both of them. And Delphit didn't even play a snap.
0: Uh, you probably still need an elite, elite quarterback too but yes those are the guys you need yes
1: yeah yeah and i mean because it, the thing that we that we'll see this weekend and the thing we saw for the last 17 weeks um the 85 bears type defense is gone nobody's got that but you do have to find some playmakers that can get you off the field two or three times a game i just think the league is set up now for scoring the league is set up uh, to go up and down the field. It's basically a seven-on-seven game, half the time anyway. Um, uh, you have to find playmakers that can run uh, and make plays that get you up the field. And, you know, sometimes... You know, the Haloti Nata is great as great as, as... And I'm using that as an example because I always remember the, the tug-of-war between the Browns taking Cameron Wembley or Haloti Nata.
0: And, and it was pretty... And it, for as nice a
1: guy as Cameron Wembley is, and God bless him. I love it. Um, we, I think you and I... And many others knew pretty soon after one game in Baltimore, we knew Hallody United was a better play. Yeah, no 15 I, years know, later,
0: right? you need the guys that can play in space. There's no doubt.
1: Bingo. There's exactly. no doubt.
0: RJ I got I got two minutes I gotta return a call here.
1: I'm good man. I think we, we plowed through a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, plowed, and I'm, I'm happy that we did um, I, I'll give you a baseball give me, I'll give you baseball 30 seconds. It'll literally be 30 seconds. We supposed to start playing next month, but I don't know if that's going to happen. But we're going to get a lot of games in this year, and it's probably going to be covered just the same way as it was last season because, well, COVID is still winning. But there will be a baseball season. I just don't know if it'll be 162. I don't know if our first game that's supposed to be on February 27th will actually go off. Um, but I feel by, you know, right now they keep telling the season starting April 1st in Detroit. I hope.
0: But I, I would guess that the season will start no later than May 1st
1: is my guess. Here's my 30 seconds on baseball.
0: Will will I be allowed to go to games and drink beers and tell stories about bad Browns players of the past? Yeah. I mean, I'm
1: pretty sure. If it's before 10 o'clock p.m., I'm pretty sure you'll be good to go. I'm pretty sure (laughs) we're going to have to play the (laughs) games.
0: That was kind of. You know, I thought baseball really dropped the ball last year in terms of not playing enough games at odd times so people would watch. And and I know you want, like, is the home team on the local network, you want it at 7 because people are used to that. But, like, for the overall growth of the game, I'm surprised they didn't force more 5 o'clockers, 2 o'clockers, you
1: know. I 100% agree with you. They missed it. Hey, I told you about the Nickelodeon game. We laugh. Most NFL football, you know, fun adults sure. weren't watching the Nickelodeon game. But I had a lot of people around Major League Baseball saying, and Major League Baseball screwed up again. Baseball has got to get itself out of the um,
0: – The dinosaur I love ages, this sport.
1: yeah. I to, yeah, they got to get out – Like they have to get past being the—they're not—they're they, not America's pastime anymore. Right. And I can say that I love the game, and I think there's so, and there's great personalities in the game, and there's great stories in the game. And I know the game is—it's not as fluid and as quick as soccer, football, basketball. Um, but MLB has got to get his head out of his ass. And I'm not talking about locally; I'm talking about from the top, um, because they are losing young. Look, my kids like it because they have no choice, and their dad takes them to spring training every year, and their dad brings bobbleheads home. And they know they can eat ice cream out of helmets and shit like that to get, <laughs> right. you know, well, right, you know? <laughs> like, I get that. But the average kid, you know, here, let me ask you this because I know, I know how you play on this podcast, but I know you, and I know your background. And I never thought I would say this, so it's sacrilegious to say this, but I think I'm starting to get to the point that maybe baseball
0: needs to make games seven innings. Would you be a would you be against that? Um, I mean, I am an angry old white man in many aspects of my life but no i wouldn't be because you know um it would be strange i would debate the merits of it but it might make over 162 would make for a hell of a lot better product
1: yeah those middle innings and i'm not trying to like and i'm not saying that's the answer i'm just having a conversation with zach i really you know zach zach and i you guys know if you listen to the podcast
0: well, in I co- I'll, I'll say this. The little I know about baseball, in college and the minors, when they have a doubleheader, it's two seven-inning games.
1: Right. It's different. I mentioned that because we, right, we did that last year, though, in MLB. On, on doubleheader days, they made them seven-inning games. And it was amazing to me, and I've read a couple other people say this, for as many as the, old, as the old white men, as you just brought up, were against it originally, Zach. It was amazing how many afterwards said it really didn't bother them as much as they
0: thought. It actually yeah. worked. Yeah, I no. That, that, that's one of the battles baseball fights, and we can talk about that. Um, you know, that to me is not the reality that the NBA faces where, you know, they can't go below 70-some games because so much money is from the TV revenue, right? And, right, and, and right, right. just having the home games in general. Um, a couple things. I, I wrote a column today uh, saying <laughs> that the Browns at least – if the Texans call the Browns, they at least owe it. Um, if you actually read the column which a few of you did it basically said baker has is probably the guy and has earned the right has played well there was not one insult to him because he's not a fifth of the player that deshaun watson is you can argue with me on that but i'm right okay um and I, it wasn't a clickbait story what it was well laid out that was that but uh, we thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for your time. And, and I went in the comments section before the podcast started, and that was from a guy wow. named Brett F. at 413 who said, guys, 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 don't call this clickbait, or Zach will get really upset and call you an idiot on the next day to Z. Brett, thank you for listening. The rest of you guys, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week.
1: Can you see Brett? I read all the – you know what? I read all the comments from your story before that, and everybody was kissing your ass. See, that's what's wrong with you. We're going to work on you this offseason. No, See, what, they, what they're missing the is, yes, I'm an idiot, but it has
0: nothing to do Mr. with Klick, that really well-reasoned take. I know. I know.
1: Uh, See Mr. you guys Klick, later. I don't read the comments, man.